Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House podcast. Today, I am joined by Stephanie Therapy. She is back with us once again. If you haven't already listened to all of our episodes on the father wound and the mother wound, go back and get to know Stephanie because she is truly, truly insightful, incredible, and just the kind of friend that all of us gals and guys want to have. Today, I am so excited to be doing this episode. I sometimes can't actually believe that I have managed to get to nearly 100 episodes of this podcast, maybe more by the time this releases, and not to have dedicated an episode to the abandonment wound. I knew that the time would come. I knew that the moment would come. Today is that moment. Stephanie is an expert in this area, in all things attachment, attachment wounding, inner child, etc., etc. So today we are going to give you the 101 rundown on the abandonment wound, what it is, how it shows up, how we all experience it differently. And we are also going to tell you about the ultimate guide that we have created to help you heal this. People keep saying, I get it. I get it. I have this wound. What do I do now? So we have created you the ultimate resource to understand and to heal this wound once and for all. Now, I have had big personal experience with the abandonment wound. You would never think I have because I've never been physically abandoned. We're going to get into that as well. But oh my God, I have been crying, screaming, unhinged on the floor before when someone has tried to leave me. So we're going to get into that. There's no shame. There's no judgment here. You don't have to have gone through some huge abandonment to feel like you have this wound and to feel like it's unmanageable and that your responses to some situations can be insanely overreactive. Stephanie's going to help us to understand why we react like that. So I think to start, let's start with the concept of this wound. Oh, it's so nice to be back, Louise. And I'm so glad we are covering this because this is something that comes up in, I would say, like 80 to 90% of my sessions. And it looks so different to everyone because I have women who come to me, men who come to me who have these great lives, great success in their lives, or, you know, they've created such peaceful spaces. But then the romantic area reflects the abandonment wound and they all look different. I have people who are scrambling to keep their partners close. I have people who won't even commit to a relationship because they're so afraid of being hurt. I then have people who are in a situation that is healthy and safe and they are sabotaging it and they are pushing the boundaries of the other person and detaching themselves. So it all needs covering. It needs to be looked at. And the thing is, it's such a big thing and it takes up so much space in our lives that we all 
do what you and I have been doing. You've waited a hundred episodes to get here because you knew it needed to be covered. You knew it was so big and you knew that people had to have that understanding first of their trauma of their childhood before they got here. And that's not to say that anyone listening can't sort of connect with this episode. But for you to really thrive in this zone, and like you said, we've created this great resource. This program is so needed. I mean, it could actually put me out of work, Louise, because if people have this program, they might not need the hours that they spend with me. But it is something, like I said, it just features everywhere and it looks different to everyone. It's never, ever going to feel the same in one relationship as it does in the next but it does usually take up space in our romantic relationships. And the word abandonment suggests you've been left, you've been isolated. Someone has put you in a a bad spot and then left you. And it's not always that abandonment. You know, it's this feeling that we are not getting our needs met from the people that we love or from the people who are supposed to care for us. Everything we have created for you is linked in the show notes. I am so excited to get this into your hands. We've been working on it for a very, very long time. Yeah, and it's that point around this wound can show up differently for different people. That was fascinating for me. Some people, they push against it. They fight against it. Some people, they surrender to it. They just pick people who just abandon them repeatedly. And like you said, some people just avoid intimacy totally. And they don't understand why. I got a DM last week from someone saying, my best friend, she just won't date. She will not date. She's so scared of dating. She just doesn't want to put herself out there. And it was so clear to me that this girl probably has an abandonment wound. She is so scared of being hurt. She is so scared of being rejected. She is so scared of being abandoned. She is so scared of being intimate because what comes after intimacy often is the abandonment, the rejection, because intimacy doesn't always last. It's a risk we need to take when we enter into love and intimacy and affection. And I just thought, oh my goodness, this lovely lady, she needs these resources that we've created for this. So I'm so excited for her and everyone else that relates to this episode to get stuck into what we've created. I cannot wait. But today I think, let's start with the root of this wound. Because you know, you just said there, it's not just physically being abandoned. Where do you see the roots of this abandonment wound really starting for a lot of people? The abandonment wound is the strongest in our pre-verbal years because we can't express, we can't speak and say, I'm upset, I need you, I need you close, where are you going? Or why aren't you listening to me? So your dependency on your caregivers, the people that love you the most, it starts at birth and it gradually sort of thins out towards teenage years. The more independence you get, the more autonomy you have. But as a baby pre-verbal, you are so dependent on your main caregivers for that connection, for that survival. And the interesting thing is that because we are babies and because a lot of parents are new to that journey, we don't realise the impact there. So I have seen the abandonment wound, Louise, show up in women who perhaps couldn't breastfeed. Maybe her child was premature or her baby went straight into intensive care and was handed to a nurse straight away. I've seen it in children who whose mums had to get back to work and so they were taken care of by nannies or put into nursery quite young. You can also see it with a parent who's passed away, boarding school. Like you said, so many life situations that we go into honest situations, you know, situations where our parents don't look and think, 
here we go, I'm messing up my child or I'm my child's going to have an abandonment wound or a mistrust of people. We're just living life and our parents have, from the get-go, thought they were doing their best. And equally, on the other side of things, we do have those parents who have neglected us, who have physically left us, who have you know, believed that they don't need to show up for us or they've been selfish or they've had, you know, problems in their life that has caused them to pass the responsibility of us. So it's looking at all of that stuff. But the two sort of areas that we look at when we are working with schema therapy is abandonment from dependence and abandonment from loss. So if you are someone who has an abandonment wound based on dependence, that might look like you are not safe in the world on your own you need other people. You cannot be alone. It is too scary to be alone. And I'll give you an example of that. So your parents have got this great relationship. You're super, super happy. And then they get divorced and dad leaves mom, dad moves on. You're left with mom. It's great. You know, you think you're doing fine. Mum is terrified that the trauma of her relationship ending, she thinks you're going to leave her now. She also hates it when you go to dad's at the weekend. She hates that you're around dad's new girlfriend. And so she clings to you. She makes her feelings your feelings. It's so codependent that you sleep in the same bed together and you do everything together. Completely harmless behaviors. Behaviors to our mum that feel comforting, soothing. And so you just don't know how to be without someone else. You don't know how to feel on your own. You don't know how to cope on your own. You don't know how to manage the world on your own. And the second one, again, is through loss. And that is through the loss of an emotional connection. That is a mum who shows up for you or a father who shows up for you. And then the connection is lost. So they give you safety and then it's taken. And one thing that we really have to discern here on this episode, Louise, is that if you had a parent who cooked, cleaned, worked hard, took care of you physically, but emotionally wasn't there, this isn't the same. This is not the same. If you are used to a parent who doesn't hug you or kiss you or compliment you, but they work super hard and they take care of all of your physical needs, you have never known love. You've been deprived of the emotional connection. So you're actually just used to that. Someone with an abandonment wound has had safety, love, affection, then it's taken from them. So when they go into an adult relationship, when things feel too good, when you're looking around like, is this going to be taken from me? Am I going to be left out in the cold? And they won't enjoy that happiness. They won't stay in that space of peace because they're waiting for it to be taken from them and ripped from them. And the easiest way to control that is to sabotage it first. You either get out first or you criticize your partner or you go on Instagram and look to see if they're cheating on you. And so you sabotage first because you're so afraid that that love and safety and connection that you have with that person in that moment could at any moment be taken from you. Okay. You said so many things there that I want to dive into. I love how you broke down the root of the wound. Basically, like it can be an abandonment based on dependence so that you're basically too secure and too overprotected and you basically can never thrive on your own. And what came to me there is the people that jump from relationship to relationship, you know, they don't know how to be alone. And what was coming to me is if we take this back to neurobiology, if we take this back to attachment and the nervous system, their nervous systems are so attuned by being with someone that initially they can't be without anyone. So when that person, you know, maybe is taken further down the line, that is 
so disruptive for them and it dysregulates them and it's so traumatic. And then on the flip side, you just explained how you can also have abandonment based on loss. Also the emotional loss, like you explained. What I thought was so interesting, again, is if we tie it back to neurobiology is like on the flip side, it's almost like their nervous systems don't know how to be with someone after that. That was so traumatic. So it becomes safer just to be on your own, to never connect outwards with your nervous system into someone else. And I think before we get into the meat of the episode, you know, I know that you're so fascinated as well by the impact of our childhood on our neurobiology, on our nervous systems, how that shows up in adulthood. And I think what I've learned from you and from working with you is, you know, the brain develops in those early years and we're highly sensitive to what's going on around us. Like you said, being taken to ICU or to intensive care can have like a really shocking impact on the body. And that the abandonment wound can basically be as a result of like the brain's stress response system, particularly our HPA access and dysregulation of that HPA access over time leads to this heightened reactivity to stresses and difficulties in stress management further down the line. Uh, And that this abandonment wound, it can literally impact the development of the brain regions like that are involved in emotional regulation, our prefrontal cortex, our amygdala. These abandonment wounds go far, far deeper than a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, 50, 60, 70, 80, however old you are, listening to this podcast thinking, oh, the abandonment wound is a set of processes that are just in my mind, you know, thought processes. Am I right in saying that this goes so much deeper into our nervous systems, into our brain development, and ultimately into our neurobiology? Yes, honestly, Louise. I'm so glad that you touched on that because in my practice, I'm huge on acknowledging the physical. You know, is your physical response to this situation reacting right now in this space or is it reacting to an earlier time? You know, I always say this to you, I liken it to it's the layers and layers of experience that our physical goes back to. Now, if you're emotional, if the interoception does not give you the right data, you are having a physical response to an earlier time. And, you know, young mums are going to struggle, new mums are going to struggle, old mums are going to struggle. Every struggle is going to be different, whether you're in a happy relationship or not, whether you're doing it alone. Everyone has a concern. Everyone has a problem, whether they don't get along with their mother-in-law, whether they have to let go of their career. Something would have been happening during your birth that has been completely ignored in your journey. And I have people that come to session and they say, I know why I have an abandonment wound. It's because my ex-boyfriend used to leave me and go on nights out with his friends and he'd never come home and I would have to text and go crazy. And I say to them, that's not the first cycle though. What was the earlier cycle? And they say, no, my boyfriend before that was great you know, but then I attracted him and I I wouldn't understand why I attracted him after that safety. And when you look at all of their patterns and break down their cycles, every single aspect of their life has displayed some form of abandonment wound, whether it's ending friendships over nothing, whether it's getting too close to people at work and then feeling vulnerable and having to leave that workplace. A lot of people have displayed this emotional sort of abandonment wound, this connection to abandonment and they have physically allowed that to to play out. And when I ask my clients in session, what was your mom's pregnancy like? What was her connection like with dad during her pregnancy? Who was responsible for mom's care and who was loving mom during her pregnancy? And a lot of people will say to me, I don't know. 
I don't know my mum's pregnancy journey. So you don't know how you were born. You don't know what was taking place when you were born. You don't know who was around you. That in itself, you should know that because that was your journey into the world. And yes, as a child, you're going to get a different answer. You say to mom, oh, were you happy when you had me? Yes. Your mom's not going to say, hell no, you came out of nowhere and I missed my pill. No one's going to do that. So you're going to get a, a fairy tale version in the beginning. But now as grown adults, we should be able to say, mom, did you have the support you needed when you were pregnant with me? Because I need to understand what happened. I know for myself, Louise, my daughter will need therapy when she's older and I will encourage it as much as possible because she was premature. She went into intensive care. I was saving my milk, expressing so that I could give it to her. But by then she'd already had contact with so many other people. And what happens in babies is because like we said, they can't communicate. They learn to read and give out their expressions physically. And that's why you might get a child who shuts down and doesn't cry very much. And you go, oh, she's so well behaved or she doesn't stop crying. She's, you know, you're always looking at their behaviors for, for how this baby is reacting. And that child will blend, mold itself, adapt itself to you being there and leaving, being there and leaving. So yeah, it starts so early and without going too much into Sarah's work, all of that somatic healing, everything within the gut, everything within the vagus nerve, it's all connected to your earlier experiences. Your body, it's got movies on repeat, you know, it's, it's got movies in the background. I think that's just such an important point. You can have an abandonment wound and not even know where it's come from. I have people saying to me, I go crazy every time he, she, they go on a night out, but I just don't understand. I had good parents. I had a calm and stable home. And I think what working with practitioners like you and Sarah has helped me to understand that there are so many root cause, somatic-based learnings that our body has gone through way before we're ever consciously aware of it. I think that is such a good place to open this episode with. You're so right, Louise. And again, it's so easy for us to blame these people, these awful people that, you know, hurt us in the past, you know, let's assign it to that relationship because it was negative anyway. Most of us don't want to assign it to the person who did stick around, who did love us. Even if one of your parents left, you're going to have an extreme sense of loyalty to, to the person who stayed. So because you've got that physical presence from that person, and you may have heard things growing up like, well, I stuck around or I did this for you and I did that for you. You're always being reminded that love is about staying. Love is about being here. And that's why we forget that your abandonment wound can come from this emotional loss or from someone being there too much. So even myself as a practitioner, Louise, at the very start of my journey, when I was working with people and I would pinpoint this abandonment wound or this anxious attachment style, and they'd tell me their background and I'd go, Oh, and I'd hit a roadblock because I think their parents were still together. No one left. And then through my own practice, I, I was able then to discern how the abandonment wound shows up physically, emotionally, in the home, outside of the home, and in relationships and in our parents' relationships. And one thing that I do want to say that is so important is that, like I said, if you have an experience that keeps repeating itself and it doesn't have to be the actual wound, it could be your behaviors. I keep pushing people away after four months of dating or, you know, every time I'm in a happy relationship, I sabotage it or I keep trying to 
talk about my wedding plans and we keep moving the date, whatever it might be that comes up for you. When those cycles are present, what you have to remember is we will recruit people in our lives, partners, romantic partners, who we make responsible to heal that pain, the pain of the past. Even if you are not emotionally aware of that pain, we will recruit partners essentially and make them responsible for it. Now, when they don't meet that need, when they don't take on that responsibility, we will beg, plead, push, act out, manipulate to get those people to help us heal the pain of those early years. And the key thing here is that through all of those behaviors, not once do you stop and say, I can leave, I can go. And that's because when a child was feeling all of these emotions growing up, they couldn't leave. You're staying in an environment that feels so uncomfortable for you because you don't feel on an insular level, on a subconscious level, that you are going to be okay on your own. So you don't leave. I am so happy you just referenced the word subconscious there because I want to just share a quick story which really, really stuck with me. Someone once was doing some deep hypnotherapy regression work and they had this moment of being stabbed. And this was quite a long time ago when babies' nappies used to be tied up with nappy pins. The mother, by mistake, instead of like pinning the nappy, she pinned the child, which obviously is very painful and upsetting and a total mistake. But she didn't realize she put the nappy, the needle went through. Two seconds later, she realized what she'd done. Oh my God, she took it out. Of course, like felt so horrendously guilty. The baby was fine. The next day, everything was fine. Got on with life. Never, ever, 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 ever thought of that situation ever again. Never discussed the situation with the child. In this regression, in this hypnotherapy session, the grown woman who was like 45 went back to being a two-month-old baby wearing this nappy. And the shock that the nervous system felt in this moment when the mother had hurt her, you know, the mother didn't do it on purpose, but the body logged it as my mother, she hurt me. She did this to me. Our body can log tiny moments, seconds as being deeply traumatic events where our parents neglected us, abandoned us, left us there for two seconds in pain. I just think this is so important to consider. It's crazy because so many people believe I'm a 35-year-old woman, I'm a 40-year-old man. How is me being pinched as a child or how is me being prodded as a child or how is me being a needle going in me? I won't remember that. Your physical body remembers every unsafe exchange. And when we use the word unsafe, I know you and I throw it about so much in the podcast. We don't mean unsafe like you were absolutely tortured and you were never ever safe. Unsafe is emotionally unsafe in terms of it felt a lot better for you. It felt a lot safer to be just within yourself rather than outside of yourself with other people. And that's why we have to keep touching on it subconsciously. You know, on a conscious level, you're a grown woman who knows that this guy is coming home to you after his night out, but your subconscious doesn't know that. Your subconscious is waiting for him to turn around and say, I've met the the love of my life on my night out whilst I was, you know, 10 beers deep. And not even that, when I work with my clients and I say to them, they say, what if he leaves me? What if he finds someone better? That's my biggest fear. And I say, okay, so if he leaves you tomorrow, if he walks out tomorrow, would you survive? And they'll say, I would be so sad. Okay. And then I ask, would your bills be paid? Would your mortgage be paid? Would you still have friends? And this is what people don't realize. When we talk about abandonment, looking at your whole life, chances are you haven't always been abandoned you have put yourself in cycles or attracted romantic partners that 
perpetuate that cycle, allow you to recreate the experience. And it's subconscious. Nobody meets a guy or meets a girl and says, oh, here's this emotionally unavailable person who's never had a long-term relationship and he's got three children to three different women. He looks like someone I'd love to settle down with. No, your subconscious says, oh, here is something that feels familiar and goes straight into that. So yes, it's completely subconscious. And again, I've had people that I've worked with that have had such great mums, such great parents, such great fathers, but little moments where sent to their bedrooms or another one, phoning social services, can you come and collect these children? They've been really naughty. And the children genuinely believe that social services are on the phone. But it works. It's great because the kids go, I'm so sorry, I'll never do it again, mum. But that moment, that fear, your body logged that physical fear of being sent to social services, even if your emotional now knows that it was a joke. So yeah, it's all subconscious. In that moment when the child thought that the social services was going to come and take them away from mummy, what happened? There was an overwhelming stress response in the body that the body probably couldn't handle. And it was just overwhelmed. That stress, that energy has to go somewhere. It gets logged. It's a memory. We are a hard drive scanning our environment constantly. Is this safe? Is this safe? Is this safe? Let's talk about this. Someone has an abandonment wound. Please share with me like how it can show up. Just to give sort of a a blanket idea or an umbrella idea of what it feels like. It's this fear that that person is going to at some point not be there. It's that fear that you are not good enough, that you are not worthy of the relationship or of the love. There could be absolutely nothing there in the relationship to indicate that this person is going to leave you. Yet you still have this overwhelming feeling that this person is not going to be permanent. They are going to leave me. It's going to be temporary. I can't enjoy this space. I'm now connected to you. And now I can't lose you. I have to keep you as close as possible. That is one of the default mechanisms you will go towards. The overcompensator. You cancel plans with your friends. You let go of all of your hobbies. You just want to cook and clean and give them everything. And you think you're being such a great partner because you're showing up for them. But what you're doing is you're actually manipulating that person into giving you their love instantly. And then the other side of that is you could be someone who you're in this relationship, you're starting to be hypervigilant, you're watching their behaviors, you're getting super clingy, and then you're monitoring their behaviors and then detaching and pulling away. So there are so many things to look at. And that's why we have to categorize it in these three ways, because there's two extremes. There could be one woman or one man who is literally going, please don't leave. please," And the other one could be going, leave, I don't care. Go, go. Do you think I need you? And equally, they're both feeling the same pain of not being enough and not being worthy of that love. Yes, overcompensating and how you can cling to your partner and you can smother them and how you actually can do that to the point of pushing them away. I loved how you noted that that's actually manipulation, right? It's not coming from like a place of true healthy intimacy. I am guilty of this in the past. I just want to keep you close. Like I just want to know where you are at all times. And I shouldn't say this present tense because I've done so much healing that it does not show up for me like this anymore. But I think what's so important there is you said this point around manipulation. I think this is where people can really feel like they are just too much. I'm just too much. I just need too much. Why can't I be relaxed? Why can't I just trust them? If you feel like that in dating, in relationships, if you wish things could just be easier, 
it's likely that this might be some element of, yes, your attachment style. Yes, you might be more prone to having an anxious attachment, but also that you might have the abandonment wound in the mix as well. And it's because you are so fearful of someone abandoning you that you are constantly clinging on. If I do this, then they'll love me more. If I do that, they won't leave me. If I look like this, then they're going to be happy to be with me and they won't want to be with that girl or with that guy instead. So if you feel like too much to handle, this might be the section for you to heal this. Thank you for outlining that, Louise. That is one of the default mechanisms you will go towards, the overcompensator. And what happens is you believe that you are so emotionally available, that you are giving this person so much of yourself and actually you're not, and you're not accepting that person for who they are because you don't want them to carry on with how their life has been before you. You want to change their life so that they're so close to you. So the overcompensator has to, they have to look at themselves. If you are someone who's trying to break that cycle, you need to look at your life and go, when I'm single, when I'm not dating, what resources do I tap into? Where do I go to feel good? Where do I go to feel better about myself? If you find that you disconnect from those resources in the relationship, you have to pull those resources into your dating life. You know, if you stop calling friends for advice or you stop having your Friday drinks with your work friends or you stop going to your mum's on a Sunday for a Sunday roast, if the resources that you rely on when you're single completely change when you're in a relationship, that's where you have to start to make that shift and keep those resources in that relationship. And I I know we did a post, didn't we, Louise, on the Open House Instagram, where we said, who am I in a relationship? Who am I? Am I different on my own than I am when I'm with you? Naturally, there's going to be differences because you're holding space for someone else. But if your personality completely changes, if the first time you're texting that person, you're not really bothered about them, you don't really want to go out on a date with them, you don't want to cancel any plans to see them, and then a month down the line, everything gets neglected for that person, you have actively changed who you are to pull that person in close. And that is what the overcompensator is. Choose me, choose me, choose me all the time. And the person eventually goes, she's too much or he's too much. I've got to get out of this. It's too soon. It's too intense. And what happens is the person leaves and the person with the abandonment wound says, this always happens to me. I always get left. I knew this would happen. I knew they weren't going to stick around because they've perpetuated a cycle that they're so used to. I just want to touch on there what you were saying around like almost molding yourself to a partner, like the pick me, love me, choose me energy. We talk about that energy all the time. I never see people talking about the pick me, love me, choose me energy in terms of the abandonment wound. So this for me is fascinating because if you are changing yourself to make someone pick you, to make someone love you, to make someone choose you, you are not being your true authentic self. And I see this showing up as you lose yourself in a relationship. You're so scared that they're going to abandon you that maybe you mold yourself around their life. So they want to go hiking every weekend and you only discovered a month into the relationship that they like hiking and you hate hiking. I don't want to fucking go hiking every weekend. I'm using this for me as an example. My boyfriend also doesn't want to go hiking, which is why we are deeply compatible. But say, you know, the hiking one as an example, you might say, oh yeah, I love hiking. Oh yeah, I, I want to go hiking. Oh my God, I love hiking. I've always hiked. I can't believe you like hiking too. This is crazy. We're so compatible. You are molding yourself so someone doesn't abandon you. Connecting the dots between the line is that you want that person to think, oh my God, this girl, this guy, they're perfect for me. They're so aligned with me. They're so compatible with me. Maybe this is my soulmate. 
you are not being true to who you are. You are overcompensating to try and be a certain person. So that other person picks you, loves you, chooses you, stays with you, and ultimately, dot, 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 doesn't leave you, doesn't acknowledge, oh my God, this guy, this girl, they're not actually that compatible with me. In that situation, you are trying to hold that person close by suppressing your truth. Do you think it's fair to say that there is a connection between the pick me, love me, choose me energy and the overcompensator in the abandonment wound? 100% Louise. And don't forget, it's not even, like you said, you gave a great example of hiking and someone's interest, but forget the positive things, forget his hobbies, forget her hobbies, forget their friends or whatever. You're also not accepting that person for who they are because you're so focused on pulling them closer that actually that person doesn't get to take up space in the relationship. It's so daunting for a person who is secure to go into a relationship with someone who has this abandonment wound and put so much pressure on them by creating this really rushed sense of intimacy. Now, people who are overcompensators will go into situations and create intimacy very quickly. And I see it with clients. It's the clients who are like, hey, Steph, oh, I missed you this week. How are you after one session? You know, and then I get other clients who are very standoffish. Now, I don't, you know, I don't feel any different about each client. I love the closeness with my clients at times. I love the interactions, but I can clearly see that that person is being very intimate with me because they don't want me to leave them. And they have that familiarity with me. This is very subconscious what you're doing. You're pulling people closer to you. And we've all done it at some point when we have an abandonment wound because it feels better. We find gaps in people's lives. Oh, he's not good at that or she's not good at that. And I am. So I'm going to do that and I'm going to show them. And what happens is the other person is so afraid to be sad, down, emotional. They can't take space. I'll give another example because I know the listeners love examples. The guy that you've been dating for two months, he's just lost his job and he's told you that he's taking you away for the weekend. And during the week, his best friend says, I tell you what, you've not been feeling great recently. How about you come over to mine, you know, we'll have some drinks, we'll have a barbecue, we'll have fun. When you are the overcompensator, your partner comes to your house, he's like, oh, I'm having a really, really tough week. And you're like, oh, don't worry, I'm here. How can I make it better? I can't believe you lost your job. Do you need anything? What are you going to do about your rent? Do you need any help with that? And then he says, oh, don't worry. You know, and then he says, but listen, we kind of won't be able to go to the hotel on the weekend. You know, I'm going to have to be a bit resourceful with my money now. And she goes, okay, it doesn't matter. Don't worry. It's fine. We can just stay here. And he says, well, actually, I'm going to go to John's barbecue. And then the panic sets in, the fear. You've lost your job and you're not taking me anywhere. You've stayed at my house and I've helped you with your rent. I've done this, this, this and this for you. And now you're going to this barbecue and you've lost your job. And then that person feels so abandoned and so used and so broken down by this person. They don't hear, I've lost my job and I need my friends. I've lost my job and I need some space. I've lost my job and I don't know you well enough to give all of this to you. They hear, I've lost my job and now I'm going to go have fun with other people. I've lost my job and I don't want to be around you. And they go, why don't you want to be around me? And they come to session and they say, he's lost his job. Why doesn't he want to be around me? I can make his life easier. You're not accepting him for who he is. You're not allowing him to take space and be sad. And when you give them that realization, these people, these overcompensating people 
will go, oh, I didn't see it like that. I feel so bad. And you're right. I should be supporting him in a better way. Or I should be allowing him to have his autonomy and having mine. But we just don't see it until we have it here in front of us, like we are doing now, these conversations. I always say that, like, what is the truth and what is the story? Like, there will be a truth to a situation and then there will be the story your story. Your story will come from your wounds. Your story will come from your inner child. I mean, I've definitely been in situations like that where all of a sudden you just get really annoyed at them. You get really angry at them and it comes out of nowhere and it comes 180 and you feel like they're choosing someone else over you. And like, why don't you want to be with me? You feel like if I was this, if I was that, they would want to be with me more. They wouldn't want to go to their barbecue without me. They'd want me to come to the barbecue. And it puts you into that space of fear. I think that is so important that you've shared that. Do you think the truth is, is that ultimately we need to go on this journey of healing our abandonment wound so we can learn how to keep ourselves safe because ultimately it isn't on someone else to provide us with that safety? Yes. And like we said, Louise, it's hard to admit when we've been manipulative. It's hard to take accountability. I I doubt that many women get to that point in their relationships where they can take that responsibility for that we've all done it and and some of us continue to do it and it doesn't matter how old you are subconsciously you have found gaps in a person's life that you are good at filling up and you're good at, at helping that person with certain things if that person's not great at emails for example and they're not great with the written word and you are you're going to jump on that and say I'll do your emails for you now We have to be clear here as well, Louise, because there is being loving and helpful and doing things for people and not expecting an outcome. And then there's doing things that are because you want a certain outcome. So I have clients who will say to me, his oven's not working at the minute. So I said, you know, I don't mind doing your meal preps and cooking for you. And I cooked for him all week and he came to my house and he woke up the next day and then he left and went with his friends. And I was like, how could he do that to me? He's gone out with his friends all weekend and I've cooked for him all week you doing that for him, you've done that with the expectation that he will trade and sacrifice something that's important to him for you. I've cooked for you all week. I've done all your washing, for example. And this is what we do. That's when it gets manipulative, when you're doing things for an outcome. So there is nothing wrong with changing your display picture on WhatsApp because you want your partner or the guy you're dating to fancy you. There is nothing wrong with posting some gorgeous holiday pictures of yourself on your Instagram because you want him to feel attracted to you. What is bad is he's texted you to ask you how you are. You've read his message, ignored it, and then you've changed your display picture. Or you've gone online and posted all your nights out with your girls to get a reaction. When you're doing something for either the conversation, the communication, or for the reaction, that's when it becomes manipulative. And, you know, we want to look our best. We want people to see us at our best. We want people to love us. But when you're doing things because you're pulling them close, they won't stay close for very long. That's why when it gets to three or four months and that person starts to, you know, use their own voice or starts to question things, you're thinking, I've done so much for you, but you didn't do it from an authentic place. And sometimes that is what we need to heal. And this is why this program that we've created is so good because I see everyone touching on the abandonment wound. Here's the abandonment wound. This is what it looks like. But then I see people in the comments going, how do I heal it? Or I've got this problem. Is this an abandonment wound? Because it's so large, it's so big, it's so vast. So I think as we come to wrap up part one of this episode, which is understanding how the abandonment wound can show up 
in terms of overcompensating against it, clinging to someone, being fearful when they leave, being fearful that they're not telling you the truth, being fearful that there's another story that's running that you don't know the truth about. I think we want to preface this whole episode with just like love, support, and compassion in terms of understanding it's okay to want human connection. It's okay to want to be loved, to be in a partnership, to be in safe friendships. It's okay to not want someone to leave you. We understand that. Like we have all been there. We've all felt scared at some point. We've all maybe lost the plot a little bit. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, I have been here. Like I had an ex-boyfriend who would shut down, literally disconnect, basically tell me that he was never going to talk to me ever again and leave. And I would be on the floor. I mean, it's actually sad. Like, you know, when like kids like grab onto your ankles, I was like a little kid. I'd be like crying. Please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. Lying on the floor, literally holding his feet as he tried to leave the house. And so what I want to leave you with is that it's okay if you have been in that situation. Like I am not ashamed of that anymore. I used to be so ashamed of that situation or similar situations, but going to therapy has helped me realize if it's hysterical, it's historical. Something has happened where my poor inner child did not think it could survive on its own. Like I wasn't abandoned by my parents, but at some point in that moment, my inner child, she was going to be left out in the cold. She was going to be alone. There were triggers back to my childhood of being alone, left in the cold, emotionally like disconnected, not being cared for, et cetera, et cetera. So if this is you, there's no shame. There's no judgment in this episode. I think ultimately what is most beautiful about this is understanding that there are thousands and thousands of people that are going to be listening to this episode that also are in the same situation as you. So don't shame yourself. Don't judge yourself. And most of all, I am just so happy that Stephanie and I have created these resources to help you heal this. So you can just experience real intimacy, true intimacy, no manipulation, no hypervigilance, constantly being on guard and being aware of what they're doing. That's the thing, isn't it, Louise, that we have to remember. We are here for these people who are recognizing these cycles. We're not here to shame you or blame you or tell you what you're doing wrong. We're here to say, we love you so much. We love you enough to show you that we've been there or that this cycle can be broken. I've got hundreds of women. You know, I could put them all in the same room, Louise, and they'd all say, I did that. It almost feels textbook because we go through the motions of the same things. You have abandoned yourself to keep people close for so long. And then knowing that you've been in that cycle and giving it to someone else and that person saying, no longer will you stay in a three-month situationship. No more will you be attracted to people who don't love you back. No more will you have to manipulate people and betray yourself to be close to people. We want you to have healthy relationships. And even if you don't want a relationship, you don't want to be in a romantic situation, if you just want to be on your own, just knowing that you have the strength to take your power and say, I know why this person's in my life. Everything's being reciprocated. I'm not having to be someone else to be in this space. Holding that space for yourself is huge. And 
anyone that does want a long-term relationship, we have to say goodbye to these minor sort of, you know, interactions and connections that don't lead anywhere and leave you starting again. Every time you start again, a little bit of your self-esteem is chipped away and you start to settle for less. And that is not what we want here. We want you asking for what you need, taking up space in a healthy way and not having to resort to childhood mechanisms to get that. Oh, perfect place to end the episode. Could not agree more with you. And if you resonated with this episode or you have a friend who you really were thinking about throughout this episode, send this to them. Let's get them on their healing journey as well. I truly think so many of us don't know how to experience real safe, calm intimacy. And instead we cling, we control, we manipulate, and it just comes from a place of fear. So we are here to help you heal that root cause fear so you can live without it. Join us on the next parts of these episodes. We are going to be going through part two and part three of the abandonment wound. Everything we have created for you is linked in the show notes. I am so excited to get this into your hands. We've been working on it for a very, very long time. Thanks for having me, Louise.